Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Bush Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording... Are you guys ready to get the show going again? That's what I'm talking about. Guys, uh, the storyteller I'm bringing up now, she was a fan of the show whenever, uh, when, when we first got started with it, and I'm really excited that she's uh, got a chance to do this. She's an actress. She does voiceover work. She does improv. She's an ER tech. Ladies and gentlemen, give a round of applause. Pam Good. about Rick is um, we're, the, we're the same age and what I really love now that we're older the beauty of it is that we start to see all that roller coaster and connect all those dots and it's like oh that's why that's what happened what happened now I, I didn't want to do this show for a long time I thought well, I don't have a story I really don't have a story my life's not very storied but the other day I saw a quote online, and God knows we've seen enough memes and quotes, yes? On Facebook, you know, you see them. But once in a while, you have that quote that goes right to your bones. You know what I mean? It goes right to your gut. It's like that, <gasps> that awakening. So I didn't want to mess that wonderful quote up, so I brought it. And this is a quote that made me realize what my dream had been all along, even though I didn't know it. It's written by Rupi Kaur, if you ever get to check out her uh, Milk and Honey. It was when I stopped searching for home within others and lifted the foundations of home within myself. I found there were no roots more intimate than those between the mind and body that have decided to be whole. And when I read that, it just shot right through me. And I realized the dream for most of my life, from very young till now that I've been struggling with, was that connection. I had lost the connection very early in my life. I'm a military brat, so I didn't quite know what home was. When people say, where are you from? What's your hometown? You go, well, I'm a military brat. Well, what does that mean? Well, I live everywhere and nowhere. Well, what's your, what's your hometown? I don't know, I'm a military brat. So I never considered home home. That wasn't security to me. But I'd lost the security. My father, very young, in his 20s, and my mother were stationed in a, in a little chain of island called the Azores. Um, and we lived in a place called Lodges Field where they, they, they refueled, they stopped before they went to Europe. It's a little island off of Portugal. It's their poor cousin, as the Portuguese say. And it was this gorgeous island. And, and our backyard faced the sea and the sky. And that was my solace for all the time that I was there. Because when I was about three, before I could really articulate anything, we had a maid, and the maid had a boyfriend. And when the maid would babysit us, and this is like 1963, Tony, her boyfriend, would come over when my parents would leave. And my older sister Carol and I would accompany him out on the porch and look at the stars. And that's all my young mind could remember at three and four years old. But my sister, who was older, 
had kept the memories for a long, long time and didn't tell me until I was an adult. But all I knew is after all that, I was a really angry kid. I never knew what happened, but I was furious. My fight or flight would be kicked off just like that. And I remember in first grade sharpening my pencil and this little boy was poking me in the back and poking me in the back and messing with me. And all I remember is just lifting up my pencil and stabbing him in the arm and breaking off the lead. I was so furious. And if I wasn't furious, I was spaced out. I would look at the sky. I just couldn't focus in school. And this was 1963, so the teacher felt perfectly in her right to pick me up and shake me until my head was bobbing. No matter what they did, I just couldn't pay attention. It was like either I was in fight or flight or I was in a place that was safe, which was my imagination, which was the sky, which was the sea. So later on, my dad was stationed. We moved to Florida, 1960s Florida, pre-Disney. NASA would have at its height. And here I discovered American television. We didn't have television over in the Azores, just a few stations, but now I discovered Captain Kangaroo and all the Saturday morning cartoons and Heckle and Jekyll and Bugs Bunny and all that, and that became my drug of choice. I stopped looking at the sky, and it was all about the cartoons, the cartoons, the commercials, and the candy, and the sugar candy, which that became my addiction, that became my distraction. That was the downside, but now I'm old enough to realize there was always a good side, and the good side was discovering Carol Burnett and all those wonderful comedians that saved my life. That was the good thing. And music. This is 1960s. The Beatles came to America, so music now became my solace. So there was always that good. And then we went from Florida, a couple of addresses. I've had 35 addresses in all. Then we moved to Illinois, and now I was in junior high. And now some of the cartoons and stuff just weren't cool enough, but I needed that distraction. I needed that drug of choice. And that drug of choice became stealing and drugs. Luckily, I was about four foot ten at the age of 12, and I looked about eight. So I couldn't do any booze. That was out. Sex was out, too. God, thank God. I was flat as a board. Looked like a little boy, so thank God if I, would, if I would have been built like my older sister was. She looked like 13 going on 18. And after a while, I watched her self-destruct with those older bad boys. And that was the first time that I really sort of came awake and thought, oh my God, I'm crushing my mother. My father was over in Vietnam, and we were crushing her. And it was like an awakening. And it was like a shift. And you know, all know in your own life, when you have that shift, you suddenly become awake to something and like, okay, I got a shift. And luckily during the shift, being in the military, boom, we're off to Washington State now. And now my drug of choice was Jesus and religion. So I thought, oh, that's great. But the trouble with a kid who's been traumatized early in life, as I know now from studying trauma, there's always a feeling of, Worthlessness. You never feel worthy. You only feel you deserve the crumbs off the table. You don't know why, but you do. And so religion made me feel even more worthless. 
Religion has a way of pounding that and making you feel shame and everything. And we're seeing it now when we see this far right attack another group. And really, it's their own shame, their own feeling of worthlessness. But on the positive side, I still had music. I still had Joni Mitchell, the Beatles, and now we had Led Zeppelin and all that good stuff. And that, once again, kept me afloat. And then we hop over to Washington State, and finally, my father retires in Pennsylvania in a very tiny, tiny town. I was one of 35 graduates, and this was my senior year by now. So you imagine I'm the new kid. They've known each other since they were in second grade. So the way I dealt with it, of course, is just totally numb out. Because now I'd finished with Jesus, didn't do drugs for a while. It'll come back later, though. And uh, just kind of numbed out. Didn't care. Kind of fell into, like, not totally depressed, not really anything, but a restlessness. I checked all the boxes off, had a boyfriend, did all that, but I, my heart wasn't there at all. But, of course, the plus side, like anything else, that roller coaster... This is 1975, Saturday Night Live came on and my world just blew open again. Oh my God, we lived that. And Monty Python, as Rick said, opened me up again. Oh, life is good, but I still have that restlessness. So one day driving home from work, it's now close to 1979, I look over and I see recruit, recruitment office. And I don't know how you are. I usually suffer for a long time, and then I make a split decision. Can I get an amen? Anybody do that? Amen. amen. You sit with it for a long time, suffering like, oh, I hate this life. Oh. There it is. Let's go. And so I just pulled in the office, boom, raised a hand. Da, 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 da. I'm in the Air Force. But that's something I'm used to. So I was like, eh, no sweat. I'll get me out of the valley. Thank God. This little tiny valley in Pennsylvania. So now, boom, I'm in the service. Ah. Freedom, no family, no boyfriend, no nothing, just me. Feels good for a little bit. And then yourself comes back. You can't escape yourself for too long. And so I, I married a bad boy. And we did the abuse dance together that Trump, kids that have been traumatized do. We recognize each other. And we did that abuse dance. And as awful as it was, we did it over in Italy. <laughs> So that was the beautiful part. Italy, a society that taught me that there's more than just money. It's not what you do. It's who's in your family. And they would welcome us with just open arms, and they were so loving, and it made me realize there's another way to live here. There's another way of joy in life. It's not what you do, what you have. But by then, got out of the service. My marriage dissolved. I know I'm speeding through this, but my marriage dissolved, and once again, I had that thought, you know, I've always kind of liked watching theater. And I always was kind of a ham. And I love Carol Burnett, of course. Let's go to school for theater. So from the service, now I'm in the theater. Oh, my God. As Rick said, theater. Theater just opened my heart in so many ways. I had thought so black and white most of all my life. And now you go into theater and they talk about intention, what do you want? People only act from what they want. And we had to learn and study people and study humanity and something I'd never thought about. And one thing that always has stuck with me almost all my life 
was a teacher, we were playing villains, and the teacher said, you can't play bad. You can't play a villain. There's no such thing. You can't play bad. You have to play somebody's needs. You have to play what somebody wants, and that drives them to do things that maybe look bad. And it sounds so simple, but blew my world apart. I used to think in black and white, good and bad, and now you realize we aren't bad. We're all driven by wants. We're all driven by needs. Sometimes it's trying to get over through a trauma. So that was a really wonderful part. And then the dark was, during my time in theater, I had my second sexual assault. And my world fell apart. But it connected the dots. And my sister finally told me what I couldn't articulate at three years old. And it's weird when your world totally falls out from under you. You're open to, okay, what, what happens now? I have nothing. And for a long time, I spoke like a robot. I acted like a robot. Even now talking about it, I can feel that sort of energy drain. But that sexual assault led me to hypnotherapy and therapies and Carl Jung and all this world that was so magnificent in studying humanity and the brain and how we think and our connections to each other. So it was this beautiful thing. And then from there, I moved to Hampton Roads for love. Now, my partner was still a wounded bird. I was still that wounded soul as I was working through stuff. But he wasn't an abusive wounded bird. But we seemed to trade off who was more wounded. Now it became, oh, I have more wounds. But out of that, I helped raise his daughter. She knew me since she was two. And she taught me to appreciate my parents. Oh, my God, what they had to go through. When you could hear yourself saying, oh, my God, I sound like my mother. But it helped you fall in love with your parents again. Like, oh, this is what they were dealing with. And watching her and her dealing with her own tragedies and her own trauma with with her mother and other things helped me grow a little bit more as well. But Ethan and I ended up going our separate ways. And then once again, I'm like, well, what do I do now? See, I never really had the dream. It was always a dream of connection, but never like, what the hell am I going to do? So I kind of let life kind of drag me. But life is so smart. Even if we don't know what the hell we're doing. Inside, we're always saying, how do we heal? How do we heal? How do we become whole? And even if we don't even realize it, our unconscious is dragging us towards wholeness, whether we like it or not. So I thought, well, gosh, Virginia Beach is training EMS people for free. I I might try that. I'm always like, I'm like George Plimpton. I want to try that. I want to learn that. I want to do this. That's how I'm all these things, a voiceover, actress, whatever, voice. So I thought, I'll try EMS. And I loved EMS. I always felt a little unsure because I started this at 53 years old. 53 and I'm an EMS. But it was wonderful, and I got face-to-face with trauma. And I got face-to-face with people who had been traumatized and got to sit with them in their trauma and hold their hand. And it was amazing. It was truly amazing that you can serve people that have been traumatized and help them through it. And 
really we all reflect each other. When you're healing somebody else, you're healing yourself. We all reflect. And then from EMS system, it worked to the ER tech that I do now, and I work in the ED there in Sintero, Norfolk General. And unfortunately, today was a day of a lot of shootings. Easter, and we were still shooting each other. But once again, it was dealing with trauma that was unimaginable. Some things, when you see somebody lose a child, it's just, everybody stops. But all that, it realized we can make it through, and to, to be able to hold their hand was amazing. So from there, I thought, I have to... I have to find a way to heal people with trauma and and PTSD. And so now, (laughs) in my late 50s, I go to the Edgar Cayce School for Massage Therapy, one of the oldest people in my class, but I loved it. But it also made me know it's not... When we hear the term body, mind, spirit, body, mind, spirit, body, mind, spirit, we hear that ad nauseum. But without the three, we can't heal, we can't be home. And we're so used to healing the heart and the mind, and for years that's what I tried to heal the mind. But now they're discovering that PTSD, all those acute, it's the body that holds the memory. The body, that was the key that I was missing. All this mind work, all this work that I'd done over the years, and I never quite felt at home, but doing the body work has been amazing. And I connected with this amazing human being over there, Jeffrey Sargent, who does yoga therapy for soldiers with PTSD. And the universe is like, oh my gosh, how did I get this? And it's like, in this age, I'll be 60 this year, like Rick was saying, and my dream has just started doing body work and I'm hoping eventually to add yoga to that and all these people that have wanted healing for so long can work it through the body because the body remembers so what I want to leave you with is never think that just because you've done all this in your life Your life is over. Like, I I achieved my dream. There's always going to be dreams. It still blows my mind that I'm going to still move into it till I leave this world. Because as long as we're here, we're always going to be healing. We're always going to be looking for home. And the universe gives us what we need. But also, we have to learn to do the cha-cha. Because as you know, and you've seen on those quotes... Nothing's ever straightforward. You see, in my own story, I had to learn to cha-cha-cha. A couple steps forward and a little to the side for a while, and then a couple steps forward and a little to the side, and that's okay. So I'm going to close by just reading that poem one more time, because it means so much. It was when I stopped searching for home within others and lifted the foundations of home within myself. I found there were no roots more intimate than those between a mind and a body that have decided to be whole. Happy dancing.
If you'd like to come out and tell a story like this one, or just enjoy the show, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org. We will find a list of upcoming shows, submission and contact forms, and more Storyteller podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.